This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. On August 25th... I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. Um, I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really gonna have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. previous abroad it was probably quite a good idea yeah uh, you know but really as a manager George should uh, you know I'm looking George shouldn't be telling a 17 year old you know he should be going embrace it go on and enjoy yourself you know go and mix with better players really at the end of the day you know because Millwall was still a third division club it was a third no sorry it was a third division club Millwall was a second division yeah. club I'm forgetting that when we won the, we got relegated we said we're now a third division club so for players to be getting picked for England youth from third division teams, it was like as a big thing that hey, it's no good looking back, Neil Scott. Scott. Yeah, well, I guess the yeah, well, I guess to look upon it from from his point of view, you were a key first team player almost then, weren't yeah. you? You were yeah. a regular. And um, yeah, I get it. I get what he's done. Yeah, no, I get it. But as I said, he's. You know, you, you, you can't you can't grab that back. You, know, you can always play another game. But you, you can always play another game, but you can't get a cap on that, can you? But hey, let's look at it. Maybe I might have gone on the trip. I might have got injured and might not, never have got not never have played. So let's look. It's as I said, it's gone. So, but 
that was a big regret that I think George could have helped me out there at the end of the day. Did you feel that regret immediate or is it only something that you've thought about since you stopped playing? No, definitely. It, it did spring to mind. did spring to mind uh, over the, at the time, maybe, maybe not at the time, maybe a little bit later. But, well, driving a taxi, you've got plenty of times to reflect driving a taxi. And trust me, it pops up more, more than once doing that. Yeah, so. Yeah, well, around Eastville Airport for five hours waiting for a fare around the corner. You've got nothing else to do but think, have you? Well, it's plenty of thinking time, yeah. And I'm not the greatest one to have thinking time, actually, at the end of the day. But, they, but yeah, it, that's it, you know, you've got to move on. Because that 79-80 season, it wasn't a particularly... Well, we started off quite well, didn't we? And we were there or thereabouts for about yeah. the first two or three months of the season. Yeah, I remember I've got the programme here in front of me, like just for the first few games. Yeah, and we was uh, we was doing well. We was yeah. I mean, we played Sheffield Wednesday at home, drew three three. That was a lovely game that evening. Uh, it was on a Tuesday night. Jack Charlton was manager of Sheffield Wednesday at the time, and we actually played the return leg about a month or six weeks time. And that's when I got injured. And that's where I got injured. And I uh, finished the game. On, I think I, you know, I, I left the stadium. I left Dillsborough on crutches and was out for about two or three months. But we had a good team at the time there. And at the time, I think maybe one game into the season, he signed Johnny Lyons. And uh, John Lyons had a phenomenal season that season. And, uh, as, you know, well, he was, he was, you know, we had a good team. Yeah, yeah we definitely had. You know, you had Kevin left, Kevin O'Callaghan left wing, but young boy picking up injuries. Dave Memick, fantastic. Johnny Seisman, good player. Tony Turner, Kitch at the back. You know, you had a good blend of you, like, but you you had a, a good nucleus of a team. But sadly, injuries would come in the way, or we just, you know, you couldn't get a little bit of momentum going. But no, you, you know, we did have a you had a basis to do good experience and good uh, youth, you know, good youth players. Sad we never had a really good goalkeeper, though, at the end of the day, you know. That's no disrespect to Johnny Jackson and Pat Cuff. (laughs) (laughs) Jack, I was probably at the end of his career, and Pat Cuff would uh, come down to Middlesbrough. I think he got slaughtered by the fans a little bit, Pat, at the end of the day. So, again, looking back, I would say that even though we had Peter Glazier as a youth team goalkeeper, goalkeepers tended not to make their debuts and be a regular for at a young age, but uh, so you couldn't really throw him in the deep end, Neil. So I definitely think if we had a better keeper, we had experience in John and Jackson, but a better, more mobile keeper would have been good as well, you know. But Jacko was good for Johnny Jackson, yeah. And then I think that season was actually when a friend of this show, John Sitton, came in that season, didn't he? And uh... yeah. I think he came this the other came that season or he, or he joined for the next the start of next season six yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, no, that was good yes. times it, 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 uh, there was it was it was good times very good times seventy nine eighty season very good yeah funnily enough you regained your place after injury just in time for an FA Cup replay That's against right. Croydon how in the fuck did we draw nil nil with Croydon in the FA Cup. Uh, do you know what? I wasn't in the squad, so I didn't go to the first game. So do you know what? I've never been to. I don't, I've drove through Croydon. I've never, never been there. I don't think. Drove through it. Definitely never been to the ground. 
But did we win the did we win the replay? Two one. Tell me not. Three two. What was the score? Three two. And do you know during that game, I think Mel Blythe played. I'm going to have a, have a look. I'm not, I, I couldn't tell you where he played. I haven't got a program yet. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. The Millwall team for those that are interested with John Jackson, Dave Donaldson, Paul Roberts, Nicky Chatterton, Kevin O'Callaghan came on as a sub. Tony Tag, Mel Blythe. Yeah. Tony Towner, John Seisman, John Mitchell, blast yeah, from the past. Yeah. John Lyons and Dave yeah. Mehmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, during that game, you know, as we said, added, added Millwall draw nil nil at Croydon. I remember about five minutes before half time, believe it or not, Neil, Mel Blythe, SHIT'd himself five minutes before half time. And obviously the joke in the dressing room was, well, if he's doing this against Croydon, what's he going to do against the season? And that's the gospel truth. Yeah. Livey actually, absolutely SHIT'd himself. Whether he had the runs or not, I don't know. But he, that, is, that, that is a true story in that game, that, that, in the replay, for sure. Yeah, well, I think he'd only won the Cup Winners medal three years before, hadn't he? Exactly. And that's what we used to talk Neil, that's all he used to talk about in training was his FA Cup winner's medal. That's all he used to talk about. It used to drive you mad. In training, if you ever nutmegged him or done a bit of skill, he'd say, Robbo, how many medals you got on the table? How many medals? How many F- where's your FA Cup medal? He goes, Blimey, I've only just started the game, mate. That's all he used to talk about, Blimey, was his FA Cup winner's medal. Yeah, but then you could say, yeah, but you haven't got an FA Youth Cup winner's medal. No, and he wasn't quick enough to say that then at them days, truthfully. <laughs> so... Croydon 3-2, though, and we needed extra time. Yeah, I think Kevin scored, did he? Did Kevin come on and score? Have you got the goal scorers there? Did Cully score? Yeah, Cully scored. We were 1-0 down for quite a long time. Cully yeah. scored after 74 minutes. Tony Towner, great yeah. player that I remember when I covered Crawley yeah. when I was a junior reporter. He made it 2-1. Yeah. From the penalty spot, then they got a penalty three minutes from the end. Did they? Fucking hell. And then John Mitchell, 100 minutes. What were you playing at? This is Croydon. They're almost Palace. Listen, let me tell you something, Neil. Listen, I don't listen. Listen, I'm I'm looking at the screen here. You're an hour and 10 minutes into this interview, right? At the end of the day. But if you're going to, we're going to go any further and further. We eventually ended up getting this, and I spoke about playing Slough in the FA Youth Cup. We're going to go to Slough later on in my career and go there and get beat, so I think we better pass on the Croydon one at the end of the day. <laughs> well, just for, some, yeah, just for some perspective for people listening, I think Croydon around that time did actually go through an entire Isthmian League campaign without losing, so yeah, they weren't they actually were, a bad team. They were strong. I think they were strong. Correct, yeah. I think they were quite strong, yeah. So what other games stick out for you that season? The the third round definitely sticks out. The third round, we played Shrewsbury at home, who was in the second division. Obviously, we was a third division side. And we won, I think we won 5-1. Did we win 5-1? Yeah, we did win 5-1. John Lyons got a hat-trick. And obviously, I used to go out with Lyons all the time after the games and that. And... uh, I remember that was a fantastic evening with Johnny Lyons. Obviously, we had a great night out there, and uh, that was a good result. We, uh, I know the boys might not like it, but uh, obviously the Millwall boys, but obviously being an East End lad, we'd go out in the East End, and Lyons, he obviously 
was living with Roger Cross's mum at the time as a lodger. And also one of the lodgers at the time was Ray Stewart, who played for West Ham, and another player called George Cowie. So obviously we was like big with the West Ham boys and that. And we used yeah. to go down the Brit, the Brit pub, Britannia pub in yeah, Plasto. He's in the West Ham films on the TV all the time, like, you know, the hooligans and that. And and actually, the hooligans did used to be in there. And obviously, me and Lionsy would go in there. And uh, being Millwall Millwall, no, they knew it was Millwall players because obviously I knew the owner, Frankie Lampard, old Frank. I mean, I know Frank very well. Obviously, not young Frank, old Frank. And, uh, you know, we would, uh, I mean, it's amazing that we would, Celebrate in the East End at the end of the day, even though we play for a South London club. But that is a true story. They, they are true stories, you know. And obviously, Kevin as well, because Kevin was an East End boy, you know. He was courting at the time with his eventual wife, which is Mandy. And I think he was, but obviously, he would come out with the boys now and then, like me and Lionsy, and we'd all uh, be in the East End, like, you know, drinking and whatever you've done in them days. Yeah. Johnny right. Lange was a very, very underrated player, wasn't he? Sadly. Sadly, yeah, sadly, he went on. We'll just talk about. We'll just talk about actually that like, the next round. We went to believe it or not. Again, we went. We got Chester away in the fourth round, and so um, I ended up. That this is nineteen seven. This is now nineteen eighty. I eventually yeah. finished my last pro game in nineteen ninety four at Shrewsbury away. But the moral of the story is there. So in, in, in 14 years, I never, ever got beyond the fourth round of the FA Cup. And so this is the furthest I ever got was the fourth round. And we played at Sealand Road against Chester. And again, I don't know if you're going to – I can tell you because I've got a good memory. They did beat us 2-0. We didn't really perform that day. And we actually went to Lillishaw for three or four days before the trip, before the game, which was a bad thing to do because we was obviously on the – we was having a few drinks as well before the game, which wasn't the greatest thing to do. And I know people mentioned drinks too much, but there was a bit of a culture in that at the time. But up front that day was Ian Rush. and that Exactly. Was- and he scored. He did. And uh, the rest is history. <laughs> but what's often forgotten is that we'd beaten them 3-1 the week before, hadn't we, yeah. in the league? And at the start of the season, if you look in your records as well, we actually drew nil-nil there at the very start of the season because John Lyons was from a little place called Buckley, which was only about half hour from Chester. So he would always have a lot of family there. And I think he, I, when we played Chester away, I stayed over the weekend with him, not in the FA Cup, but thing ago. So, which was obviously a bit nice city to go out in as well, Chester. But uh, And we did fancy ourselves against, as you said, we've beaten them at home. And now in the FA Cup, we at least thought we could get a draw uh, to get in the fifth round. And I think they got Ipswich in the next round. You know, I know it wouldn't have mattered because of obviously the different different alphabetical balls. But uh, I think, as I said, the rest is history with Ian Rush. He, uh, well, you know, he could play then, but he obviously he went on. Could you tell he was a good player? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you could tell. Hey, listen. He scored. Anyone who scored against you, you always thought was a good player. You didn't think he was going to go on and be do what he'd done, but uh, like you know, he, is, he, he he had a bit of movement about him, a bit of sharpness and that. So I'd be lying to tell you I thought he was going to be fantastic because hey, I'm only 17 years of age myself still at the time. But uh, you know, it, it's easy to say, yeah, you knew he was going to be a good player now, isn't it? 
But the longer that season went on, we seemed to fall away, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Again, being a lot of young boys, Neil, you know, now you're tiring, you know, like looking back again. That's where you probably needed, now you would have needed the rotation system and you needed like breathers and being left out and things like that. You needed the manager to come around you and say, Robbo, I'm leaving you out. Mem, I'm leaving you out. You're looking a bit tired. But you didn't, Neil. You was just on a roll, on a roll, on a roll, on a roll, you know? And look, obviously, you was burnt out, Neil. You might, this is Neil, that season, the youth team got to the semi final of the FA Youth Cup again, which people tend to forget, and got to the semi final of the FA Southern Junior Floodlit Cup and got to the FA semi final of the Southeast Counties Cup. And I was playing in all them games as well. So, like, you know, so you might have been having a real bad game for the first team. Again, you only like thought about this when you like, like come out of football, but you, you realise at the time, wow, I was playing like Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You was all over the place. You might have been travelling here, getting back. You just done it. But now looking back, it was like, wow. How did you just switch on, switch off, switch on, switch off? It was amazing, really, how we've done it. You know, it's crazy, crazy, really crazy. And then the following season didn't go that well. Uh, it, it didn't just coming start back to that season, you know, like oh. coming back to that season, the Millwall got to the FA Youth Cup semi final. We got drawn against Aston Villa, and in them days, I think if you got so many yellow cards, you missed like a game or two games. And believe it or not, we played Rotherham away on a Tuesday night, and I got booked, which meant I was going to get a two game ban or a one game ban. And Dave Martin was making his debut. Dave Martin got, um, I think Dave Martin got my like Dave Martin was making his debut. But I got booked and got a two-game ban, which meant I couldn't play in the first leg of the FA Youth Cup semi-final against Aston Villa. I'm, I'm not going to say I was the best player in the team or anything, but I was the leader, the one who organised everything and was like the personnel we looked up to. And uh, sadly, I didn't play and we got beat 2-0 at the Den in the first game. Again, Aston Villa, I could roll you off five or six names in there who played that night. And we got beat 2-0. And in the semi-final, we went back to Villa Park. And we absolutely battered them at Villa Park. And they, I, I just remember they had Noel Blake in the team, Mark Waters in the team, Robert Hopkins in the team, a few other boys. And the one thing I remember about that game, now obviously, we're not the lowly Millwall, Neil. We're now the FA Cup Youth, like FA Youth Cup holders. Yeah. So we're a big fish. And they beat us 2-0 at the den. And now we've gone that hard, came back to the second leg. And we battered them at Villa Park. And uh, sadly, we just we drew nil nil and uh, got beat. But if you've ever been to Villa Park, the dressing rooms are right in the corner, and the tunnels right in the corner. And but they had a big. They was a bit of a brutal team. Like Noel Blake and Robert Hopkins was fighters, like like wanted like you know Birmingham boys and big tough lads and wanted to have a go. And we had Adam McKenna, myself, and a few others. And we were second years with a bit of experience. So I said, listen, as we was walking off half-time, there was loads of banter going on, everyone coating everyone from both sides. So I said, listen, just boys, wait, just wait, let's get back into this tunnel. I said, don't worry, when you get back to the tunnel, there's like a great big slope, you walk up to the dressing rooms. Well, there was the most biggest fight you've ever seen at half-time in the, in, the, in the tunnel. It was like punches and everything going everywhere. And they was like up there trying to throw, it was a massive fight at half-time in the tunnel. And Roger Cross was now manager. And he's gone pulled me in and said, Robbo, what's all this kerfuffle going on in the tunnel? What's going on? I said, I ain't got a clue what's going on. Then I know what you're talking about. It's just a referee talking a lot of old nonsense. But oh, we battered them and had a 
we tried to intimidate, kept trying to intimidate us, Neil, but we wouldn't have it. So I said, come on, we fight fire with fire here, we'll have a go, you know. But sadly, it didn't pay off when we got beat. That was my biggest, one of my biggest regrets was losing that semi final because we were still such a good team. Do you know what I mean? We should have won it two years on the spin. Yeah, but that's unfortunate, really. Yeah, but I think a few of that, a few of that Villa team had actually gone on to win the European Cup a few yeah. years later, like the Mark yeah. Walters. Yeah, no, no, Blakey went on had a great career. Robert Hopkins went on had a great career. But as I said, a lot of people talk about the '79 team. That listen, trust me, the 1980 Youth Cup team was a good team as well because obviously you had Keithy Stevens coming in as a schoolboy. David Martin had another year's more experience. You know, I'm not, you know, it's so myself, but. That was a good side as well. People forget that. You had, as you said earlier in this programme, Bob Pearson had brought players all the way along. There was always, wow, there's another little mob. There's another little mob. It was like, wow, it was unbelievable, Neil, really. What you had, like, you know, the, the elevator you had coming along. It was fantastic. I think that's what's often forgotten is that if, that when you moved on, he had another little group to come in. And then when they moved on, there was another little group to come in. Do you know what, Neil, I'm going to say to you now, just off the top of my head, right? Paul Roberts played a lot of games at right back for Millwall. Dave Martin played a lot of games at right back for Millwall. And I ain't got to tell you how many games Keithy Stevens played for Millwall, right? But so you had Paul Roberts one year, Dave Martin the year below, and Keith Stevens the year below. So, like, you know, what sort of club in London, I'm giving myself a bit of a G here, like I'm putting myself maybe in with them boys. But at the end of the day, wow, that is unbelievable to do that year, that year, just in one position. And Bob did just in that position. He had it in plenty of positions across around the pitch. You know what I mean? But that's amazing, really. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, but that's how Millwall survived, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah but at that time, was we produced our own players, and then we f- undervalued them and flogged them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember playing with Keith. You make his debut and things like that. You know, but. Uh, yeah, as I said, people go on about the 79 youth team, but the 1980 youth team was a good team as well, sadly. But no one wants to know about the semi-final losers, do they? And especially, as I said, I think we got beat three semi-finals that year. And one of them was against West Ham. And do you know what? I played against West Ham a few times. I never, ever had a good game against West Ham. That's another big, like, we got beat. the year That year we won the Youth Cup, as you said earlier in, I think, the programme. We went to West Ham and played it the following season. In that game, we got beat 3-0 at Upton Park and I had an absolute stinker. Dale Banton absolutely ruined me. And I think even in the semi-final of Southern Junior, I never, ever played well against West Ham. I think I just always wanted to have a good game. It just never happened, you know. But there you go. Yeah, well, I guess you were that G'd up and that hyped up to actually play well against them. Sometimes you can try too hard, can't you? Yeah, yeah. So, but as I said, so the, the, eight, like, like, the, the moral of what I'm saying here is don't forget, like, you know, not you, not Millwall people as well. Like the 1980 team was a good team as well, you know. Uh, you know, that was a good team as well. We'll just move on a little bit. Uh, yeah. I think uh, Peter Anderson came in as manager. Yeah, yeah, correct, yeah. Can you say anything positive about Peter Anderson as manager? Well, I can say he made me captain. So, uh, at the end of the day, and I think he still stands to this day that I'm obviously the youngest person ever to captain Millwall Football Club. So, I've got to give him a bit of a G for making me captain that day against Colchester United in February 1981, I think it was. And we won that game 3-1. So, there's one positive thing. 
Actually, Peter, give me a bit of a wage rise as well. So there's another positive thing. But it wasn't a lot, but uh, he was a strange. He was a strange character, Peter. Strange, very, very up and down. Very. He's probably too young to be manager again, and to come into a club like Millwall, where you needed a bit of balls round you, it wasn't. No, nah, it was a tough baptism for Peter Anderson. Very tough. Yeah, very tough. But yeah, well, now I've. You know, very tough. I've, I've, uh, I've, yeah, we had John sitting on him. Yeah. And there's no love lost there, is that between? There's teams. no love for anyone we sits. Trust me. Listen, he's another one I keep in touch with. Sits and argue with himself in the phone box. Don't worry about that. Mind you, in saying that, he wouldn't because he couldn't fit in the phone box these days. So he wouldn't be able to argue with himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but he sure does that. He's actually, quite well since he's had COVID. Hey, he's told me he's told me he's lost thirty three pound. I'm sure he meant out of his pocket, not his weight size. At the end of the day. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I think that Peter Anderson was actually the, a mate of Lenny Apples, wasn't he, from Luton? Yes, correct. Yeah. Again, as we said earlier in the conversation, it was about friendships, bonding. That listen, Peter, he was he was thrown in a baptism of fire. He. he he had some good ideas, but he just couldn't dwell it. He just didn't have the respect to the older players. And then he tried to bring in your Alan West and your Willie Carls and your Bobby Shintons. Listen, lovely players, probably past their sell-by date. Lovely characters, lovely characters. But we just couldn't get that right blend. And the, the fans was now buying as well, you know. And that honeymoon period as well had gone for the young boys as well, Neil. That had gone, so... You know, now, now you was getting a bit of pelters and a bit of stick, you know, from the lads on the sidelines, from people like the Kempster brothers on the sidelines and from the, and, and, and the Jew boys in the Jubilee bar and then people like that. And the, the halfway line little mob, you, you ended up having a drink within the Jubilee bar. But trust me, you might have had a drink with them at 20 to 5 with the with Stevie Hutchins and the Kempster boys and other boys who were all good lads, but, well, they knew how to give you some stick at the end of the day, you know. And you were actually player of the season, so no wonder you... Yeah, I did did listen. Again, I think I played all over the place. Had a bit lucky with injuries. I think I played quite a lot of games. As you just said, listen, I think I was player of the year at... uh, Was that 1990? Was that 81? Was that 81? Yeah, Yeah, well, 81, you won the player of the year award. Do you know what? I was 19 years of age. I'm not giving myself a G. Oh, should I give myself... But if you was 19 years of age... If you was 19 years of age and got player of the year at a club like Millwall, wow, you'd have got a few quid. I think I got a 20 quid rage rise. I think that's what you give yeah, me. You on the yeah. phone now, he's asking, do you fancy moving? Yeah. Oh. So then, and, and obviously at that time, Neil as well, you had Kevin O'Callaghan had gone to Ipswich. Your two other big mates had gone on to Tampa Bay Rowdies. I really wanted to move then. Do you know what I mean? But being player of the year and I felt... I felt it was time to move on. But he was a kid still, 19 years of age. But obviously, I wanted to have that good move. Listen, I would have loved to have been out in Tampa Bay. How can the ginger boy like Mehmet and a blonde, freckly boy like Kinsella be in Tampa at the end of the day? And there's me stuck in, who loved the sun and loved having me barnet a bit blonder, being stuck in, in, in South London, in Bermondsey at the end of the day. But, uh, hey, listen. Yeah, well, unfortunately... Yeah. You signed that long contract, mate. Exactly. There you go. That's it. And obviously wasn't playing well to get a move either. So that was it. I could get player of the year at Millwall at 19, but wasn't playing well enough to get a move. There you go. Yeah. 
Were there ever any murmurings of any moves uh, for you? I think there was one or two, but I couldn't tell you. I, I, I don't know. You know, there was nothing concrete. It was not that I know of. So, you know, I did go on the transfer list, which I think didn't that Peter wasn't happy about, and it was more of a sulky thing. But he actually sort of half turned the fans against me as well a little bit. It was, you know, what? Look it, again. It was it was a tough time. It was a tough time, and also. I probably had too much too young, being like FA Youth Cup winning captain, playing nearly every week at the end of the day. When I got dropped, probably felt really hard about getting dropped. Then got player of the year. Then Big Sam Allardyce come in. Big Sam, obviously you earn, you hear how much he's earning. You hear how like, much maybe Willie Carr's getting, Bobby Shinton and that. And you're thinking, wow, well, I'm player of the year and I'm getting nowhere near them. But, you know, that was that. You yeah, bought in people like Alan Slough as well, didn't he? Yeah, Phil Warman. Yeah, yeah, Phil. Yeah, Phil done okay. Phil done started well, but again, got injured. I mean, there's, listen, he made some good signings. He made some good stuff. Phil done okay. I mean, obviously, he signed uh, Big Sam out. Oh, it's a blinder, Big Sam, wasn't it? Big Sam coming to Mill World. It was a cracker. It was a blinder. <laughs> so what was he like in the dressing room, Big, Big Sam? Sam. Oh, he loved himself, Sam. Loved himself. He thought he was Magnum, didn't he? You know, that was his name. I don't know what his name at the film said. He thought he was... Yeah, he loved him. It was wasn't it? Uh, he Sam, absolutely. He was a... I, I, I won't tell you the story one time. He was like a thick Norman, a big Sam, to be honest with you. Like, so you can imagine him being in a dress room with a load of lively London boys. And he was always going on about Sunderland, Sunderland, Sunderland. And when he come, obviously he was at Bolton, but he signed from Sunderland. But he had a sponsored car still from a, the chairman called Cowie. Yeah, a big yeah, a big car dealer up in the north. Right, so he had the car still when he come down. So we was in, we was playing in an away game, and used to go for a kip about four o'clock or three o'clock to about half past four and be in a hotel. So me and Dave Martin was rooming together. I went, Davey, listen, I said he'd be a sound asleep, big Sam. I said, you listen, what's this? I said, I'll get him at it. I said, I'll ring up my mate out on the Sunderland, I'm Cowie, I want the car back. And uh, obviously, so like, he'd be in the hotel room and I'd just do the internal number, ring his hotel, and I'd, I'd with a, goodness knows how, I'd put a Geordie accent on, but I'd put a Geordie accent on or whatever, or a weird side accent, and made up I was the chairman, wanting the car back from Big Sam. And obviously, he woke up half a little bit, half awake, half asleep. So I'm saying, listen, you're taking liberties. You've got the car. You're supposed to drop it back. You've signed the Millwall. You've got a few quid and boom, boom, boom. And all he's going is, oh, yes, yes, sorry. Yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I went, you soppy big northerner. I said, it's Robbo here. I said, oh, he went absolutely. He went absolutely bonkers. <laughs> he's, he's, he's come back. Is he? I spoke to him about I spoke to him about a year ago. He rang me up and he said to me that he always... Do I remember him catching me cheating at cards? I said, I don't know what you're talking about, Sam, at the end of the day. But uh, he was a character, Sam. But again, big money signing was a big shoes to step in in Millwall's eyes in that it was Barry Kitchener's. Yeah, he was Kitchener's replacement. I yeah, did. It was, you know, no one was ever going to step in big Kitchener's shoes. But he was good enough to do it. But big Sam, listen, here tell you now. I'd like, listen, I'd like to have a beer with Sam here now. And I'm sure he'd make me pay for it, even though he's a multi-millionaire at the end of the day. Sam only cut the Millwall for the Reddies. One thing. Alan Fong gave him a great big ass in Chiselers. Unbelievable gap. He used to tell us how much money he was on, how much his signing fee was. You know, 
he wasn't he wasn't backwards and coming forward, Sam, at the end of the day. But good luck to me. That's what life's all about, Neil, isn't it? Do you think the money could have been better spent? Because because there was obviously there was the big name signings coming in. And then and then he would go and try and sign somebody like John Bartley from yeah. well, well, was three hundred goals. He went for experience, didn't he? And then he then he went from one extreme to the other, didn't he? He, he tried to get a goal scorer. But you've got to remember at that time as well, Neil, you had players like, as you said earlier, Johnny Mitchell, Chrissy Guffrey, who Millwood signed for 100-odd grand from Fulham and had got injured and never got value in them. So it was a real, it was a, you know, it was a balance. They just couldn't get the balance right. You know, they just couldn't get the balance right. And uh, sadly... Kitch got the job after Peter Anderson and a, a temporary spell and the boys didn't really perform and Kitch was a bit too nice. was a bit too nice to be a manager, Barry. One lovely person, by the way, beautiful person. Went to his funeral up in Lowestoft with his family. Well, got the highest respect for Kitch. Just couldn't take it on. And then obviously George Graham comes to the club. Well, then that, that. And then, then all of a sudden... Now we are talking about a different era. <laughs> now, well, well, if we just go back to Kitch, was it a shame that he couldn't? Because I guess, yeah, well, I guess it was a bit like Rhino and Alan McCleary a little bit further on and maybe Neil Harris to some extent, that they're Millwall through and through, but they just couldn't quite get the success in management, could they? Well, I think it's a little bit harsh to say compared to do comparisons, really, because I think Keithy and Alan McCleary was a joint manager, so that's a little bit different, that one, being a joint. And they did get Millwall to Wembley in that auto glass or whatever, and they had a bit of success. And I don't really know what their record was, but so joint managership, joint managerial ship is a little bit tough to do comparison. Neil Harris's record, I think he'd done quite a good job, so... I would say people think Neil done well. I mean, he was doing a good job at Cardiff. I'm sure that he still would be doing a good job. But so I think then comparisons are a bit hard for Kitch. I think Kitch was just such a nice guy. He just couldn't switch from being in the dressing room to being the boss. And we let him down. No doubt about it. Myself yeah, we've been there about 100 years by then, hadn't he? So Kitch was too much of a friend. And when you become a manager, you've got, to, you've got to do that gap. And Kitch didn't know how to do it. But I'm not going to blame Kitch, as I said. I'm not going to blame Kitch. He probably wasn't given enough time anyway, because Alan Fulman had probably people blaming his ear roll anyway to, get the, to ever get the job. But the boys let him down as well, because obviously... If we'd got maybe five or six wings, you've got no alternative to give Barry the job. But sadly, we didn't We didn't do that. And we had a, some horrific results. I.e., I think it was the one nil defeat at Slough, I think. And uh, I think Barry might have been manager that day, Neil. I'm not sure. You, you... He was indeed. Two boys got sent off that day, Neil. Dean Neil got sent off. Very good forward. Dean and obviously uh, Dave Martin. You know, we, we we was all too young. It, it was, you know what? It was. It's sad. It's you know. It actually, it's, it's a sad. It's, it's a sad thing that we couldn't do it. The kitsch, really, it really is. And 
It's another big regret that I'm sure if you told them people, if they reflect on it, I'm a little bit of a sentimentalist sometimes, even though I'm a bit noisy and what have you. But we did let kicks down. We did let kicks down. But he just wasn't strong enough. He should have pulled one or two of us and said, come here, Robbo, I need you to get this job or I need you, Dean Neal, or I need you. And he sort of let us drift on and drift on. And Hey, but that's not Kitchy's fault. That was us. That was us at the end of the day. That was us. I'm not, I never adhere anything to Kitchy. He was a wonderful man, wonderful servant. And all them boys, even though you said about Peter Anderson not being a manager and blah, blah, blah. You know what? Kitch was a total professional for all of us. You know, everyone looked up to Barry, to be honest. Yeah, he was a wonderful Yeah, he was God, wasn't he, at Millwall? That's yeah, fake. Yeah. Uh, but he was, yes, and no one, you can't say he's better than God. But listen, people didn't see what he'd done outside of just on the pitch. You know what I mean? He'd done a lot within within the dressing room as well and a lot within the young lads. And would hear you get a bollock in. Would hear someone say something and he'd go, Robbo, like, you know, he'd pick you up a little bit, Neil. You know, he wasn't. You know, he'd, he'd give you a lift home, he'd give you his car. He lived in Barking up that way. Obviously, being an East End boy, maybe you didn't have your car, he'd drop you off home and things like that. First team players didn't do that. Your Johnny Seasons, who's a lovely guy, your Donos, they didn't do that. You, you know, like they did. Of course they did, but not as frequent as, as Kitch would do. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. I'm sorry, I can't operate on that vehicle. But doctor, you took an oath. That RV, it's... My son's RV. Oh, doctor, isn't there anything you can do? I'm not a miracle worker, Sheila. I'm an RV surgeon, trained to save the lives of large injured recreational vehicles, which is definitely a real profession. When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms. On August 25th... I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that's ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. Um, I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really gonna have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. Let me tell you something. Blivey would do it, but you'd expect Blivey would want a fiver on the seat as you jumped out at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you'd also have to polish his FA Cup winner's medal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it was, you know, but Kitch was a lo- lovely, you know, I'm glad I can say on this programme here that, you know, it would, it would be wrong of me never to put, to say a good word about Barry Kitchener. From from the start of my career in 1978 to the end of my career in 1983, he was a wonderful fellow, you know, yeah. So what went wrong at Slag? Basically, basically, it's an easy thing to say, but the pitch was uh, absolutely quagmire. I think they'd actually put the hoses on it and it wasn't a football pitch. There was no football played whatsoever. And then uh, Dean Neil and Dave Martin got in a rumpus. Hey, listen, if you're playing on the pitch and you've got nine men, the rest is history in the first round of the FA Cup, Neil, isn't it? As, again, when I just said to you, the Bob Pearson effect of Slough and Millwall. Well, how has Slough and Millwall got anything in common? You couldn't put two places together that are so far apart. But trust me, in that sort of late 70s, early 80s, there was a little bit of Slough and Millwall because of Bob Pearson, I think, Neil, you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, I think it was a riot off the pitch that day as well as as well as well, on it, wasn't there? As well as in the dressing room. <laughs> 
belt. So, I mean, there was murders <laughs> in Atkinson, that's for sure. But they were on the coach on the way home because that was big news then. You know, it was big news, wasn't it? You know, it was big news. And then uh, I'm sure there's loads of things I've missed out if I had some things to tell you about other little things and stories and whatever. I mean, there's plenty of stories I could tell you but about other games and other things in, in the time we've got up to. But I'm looking at the clock. We've been here one hour 38, but... As I said, if you want to move on, then I'm not you. Probably have to look at your records and tell me when did George Graham get the job? When did George get the job? What, what George day? actually got the job just after that game. About, I think he got it about a month later, December. Yeah. So George Graham pitches up. Bear in mind, he'd won. Yeah, he'd won the double as a Arsenal player, hadn't he? Yeah. I think it was his first proper management job, wasn't it? I think he'd been youth team coach, first team coach at QPR and Palace, hadn't he, under Venables or something? He was youth team coach at QPR, yeah. correct. Yeah, correct, yeah. Uh, he came in, his assistant what manager was... Pardon? What was your first impression? Well, he's very smart, suave, thought he was the dog's. Thought he was the dogs like that's coming in the dressing room. Uh, Scotchman, first, well, not too, wasn't too keen on Scotchman anyway, as you're saying, after that first impression. His assistant manager at the time was Theo Foley. Wasn't too sure about Theo as well at the time because obviously, God bless his soul, Theo. He was, uh, he was like, you know, Chelton and then Millwall and Chelton. He never knew. He never knew what corner he was on. Theo sometimes at the end of the day, but uh, he was his assistant. Uh, it was going to be good cop, bad cop. But then all of a sudden, you got out onto the training pitch. The club was a different thing. The discipline in the club went from being an holiday camp to wow, like all of a sudden we're in Belmarsh Prison. Do you know what I mean? It was like wow. It was like. <laughs> It was like, here we go, here, what we is. It was like, wow, what you was all expected. I thought it was unreal. And then, but on the plus side, the coaching was at another level that I'd never come across. It was unbelievable. And so your respect comes straight away from like, wow, this is a good training session. This is, I'm learning something. Wow, this is again learning. But George had come in with a pre-suited ideas who he didn't fancy and who he did want. And I knew that I didn't think he fancied me from day one, George, when he came in. Thought I was a flash East London boy. Had too much, done this, got too much to say for himself. But he, uh, I was in the first team and I, I was actually playing very well. And I think I was centre-half at the time as well. And I've obviously he probably thought I was too small to be a centre-half. Sure, I was playing centre-back. But I was playing that well. I don't think he could drop me. But he, he could see. So I was getting away. I was getting away of it, getting away of it, and getting away of it, like as in playing well. But the results weren't going. We was losing 1-0, getting beat 2-1, things going against, blah, blah, blah. But he, the, the club had changed from the start. And he started bringing his own players in. And you, you knew your position was under threat. And it was going to be his way out of the highway. But he just couldn't get the results. He just couldn't get the results. I think he had one job that first season, and that was to keep us in the division because yeah, we were struggling, you know, weren't we? Again, if you've got the team fixtures in front of you, I might be wrong here because I haven't got a programme to, to verify this. 
And we've got big Trevor A lot at the club now as well. Like Trevor, lovely fella, Trev. Like lovely fella, Trev. Probably didn't fulfil how good of a player he was at Millwall as well, Trevor, but one lovely fella. And I'm sure if you look, we played Portsmouth on the 26th of December, 1982. I haven't got a programme to verify this. And he said, you're in training on Christmas Day. That's not a problem with that. Hey, we've all been training on Christmas Day. So listen, I'm living on the Isle of Dogs at the time. That ain't a long trip for me. It's a long it's trip. Great in Orient, actually, just to fact check you on the 26th of December. Right, yeah. So we're playing and he's gone, right, you're training on Christmas Day. So that's not a problem, as I said, for most of the boys. There's boys coming in from Arpington. There might be boys coming in from Luton. I live on the Isle of Dogs. Johnny, whatever players coming from different areas. And we've all turned up on the Christmas day, like maybe 10 o'clock training. Bearing in mind, we're training on Senegal fields, right, on Christmas day. Dog shit up. <laughs> who, who, doesn't, who doesn't turn up for training? George Brown. Oh. So I said to Theo, where's George? Where's George? Hey, I'm 20 years of age. What am I asking this question for, by the way? It's crazy. I said, where's George? He said, no, he's not coming in. Like, you know, he's a bit far from the come. So he's like, we're only going to do 45 minutes. And it was like, wow, hold on a minute. Like, we're all putting our nuts in here having a go at the end of the day. And like, George is like sitting at home on Christmas Day, pulling crackers or what have you. Do you know? You know, again, what am I saying? This at 20 years of age for in the dressing room for a few fellas. Was it the right thing? Or was it, but I just didn't think that sat well. Just didn't think that sat well. He lost a little bit of respect with a bit of one of us. A few of us lost a bit of respect for me. But again... And then we played that game and he absolutely coated Trevor Aylock one time. Absolutely coated him at half time. And he thought, wow, this fella's got a bit about, you know, you knew he had something about him. But it was he, he couldn't drop me to tell he, he couldn't drop me in a bit. I knew he was looking to drop me all the time. He didn't like me. And this is probably the end of my Millwall career. So we go to we as I said, we couldn't get the wins. And we went to Plymouth on a Tuesday night on about March or something. So I'm hanging in there, hanging in there in the first team. We're still struggling. And we go 1-0 up in the first half, Dean Neal scores, and we was terrible on the road. Whenever I was at Millwall from 1979 to 1983, once we went past Watford Gap, wow, we was in trouble on that coach. We could not get a result. But this particular night, we're 1-0 up at half-time. It looked like, wow, we're going to get three points here, pull ourselves up the table. In the middle of the second half... Ball went out for a throw and I absolutely came the linesman. It was like I went in for a challenge. It came off the winger and went off, went out, came off their boy and the light and the linesman give a throw into Plymouth rather than a throw into us. I came the linesman, swore at him, said some awful words to him, which obviously are not repeatable on this show. And then the linesman started waving his flag. And you uh, thought, oh my fucking God, here we go. And then he put me over. He said, what did, like, you know, the referee said, what did you just say to the linesman? And I said, I said to the linesman, right, it's an unbelievable decision. Hey, you can get that. It's like ridiculous. He said, the linesman just said, you said this, they said that. I said, no, he didn't. He, and then he took the word. And with that, he pulled the red card out and gave me the red card. So I got sent off. Now I'm fuming with myself. Obviously, George is fuming. It's about 20 minutes to go, 25 minutes to go. And again, you go up home park in them days. You went up the steps. Yeah, it was a big winding long tunnel, wasn't it? That I went in the had a shower, put my suit on, put my suit on, retire. And like, as you said, very dis- 
And all I could hear was the roar of a goal for Plymouth, a roar of a goal for Plymouth, a roar of a goal for Plymouth. The boys Three. coming, I beat 3-1. He caned me in the dressing room, just caned me, just said, listen, all you's pulled your nuts out. He said, see that little flash geezer there at the end of the day, like bomb bomb, caned me. I just said, you're out of all the George, you know. I had a bit of a row with him. Went on the bus, got on the bus, had a salt up. I don't think he's ever going to play for him again. I think he dropped me. I think he dropped me for the next game. Or, or, no, I was suspended. Sorry, I was suspended. You could for free, wouldn't you? Yeah, and then I only ever played one more game for Millwall. I played against Sheffield United at home and against uh, David Kuzak's first ever game for Millwall when he scored a 35-yard home goal. In the, in the game we got beat at Sheffield United. And that was the day I think my cousin Mark Taylor got married, actually, got married that day. And uh, I played, played, I knew he was never going to play me. And I sort of think I've even said, like, I've got a wedding. And he went, like, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, to cut that, me and George never see eye to eye. And I went on the transfer list. And that was the end of my real career. He banished me to train with a youth team with two and a half years left on my contract. Banished me in the summer, only give me a month off when he give everyone else 10 weeks off. Find me two weeks' wages. Maybe come in and train at Greenwich Park all on my own. Kept me and Roger Cross and Big Sam, to be honest, yeah, me and Big Sam. But Big Sam got a move to Tampa Bay Rowdies and got out of it. But he came, that summer, he absolutely came me. I had two years left on my contract. And he... Uh, I was training with a youth team every day in the reserves. Nothing to do with the first team. By this time, George had brought in your Kuzak, your Otlikowskis, your Stevie Lovells and everyone else. So I was just playing with a youth team and uh, bombed, completely bombed, absolutely bombed on the transfer list. No one's coming for me. Uh, and we'd go to Woodford away in a, in a reserve game at Woodford Town. Again, Frankie Lampard used to have the club called Woodies, believe it or not, in, in Woodford Town. Yeah, well, old Snakes Lane. Yeah, yeah, which I've been with a few, like we've been with in a few. So, and then we're playing this Woodford on a Tuesday night. Um, Teddy might have played in the game a few other lads. I'm playing with the kids. I'm basically playing with the kids. And he comes in after the game and absolutely canes everyone, George. Canes everyone. Then he goes, you see that boy there? He said, he's absolutely, he said, I've put him through the ringer done everything I could to that kid. He said, but do you know what? He said he was the only one there tonight who should have done anything. He said the kid was a credit tonight. He said of what I've put him through. He said, and he's the only one who's come out here with any, like, distinction and what have you. So I thought, wow, what's going on here? So we go in the bar afterwards and have a drink or just like lemonade and that. I'll never forget this. I was at the bar with my dad. Bob Pearson comes over to me. Now, obviously, Bob's sad that, like, you know, I'm bombed out. But insane. I'm, he's, but he's sad he's got bombed out. You've got your Keith Stevenses. You've got your Alan McCleary's. You've got all your other little mob coming in. So Paul Roberts is not the big time, the big story. You've still got a lot of boys coming through and a lot of other lads. And by the way, he'd kept them up that season as well. So now Georgie's, like, done very well as well. So to, to cl- clarify the story, he'd kept them up, which I was not, not part of at all. And obviously, he'd all done well. So Bob Pearson comes up to me and says, Robbo, I think he's, uh, uh, he's giving like giving you a chance. He's like, he, he wants you back in the first team. He said that if you turn up, you know, you come back in, he wants you to come back in with the first team and, in the, you know, train with the first team and be in the first team. Oh, thinks your attitude like it's been unreal. 
And I looked at Bob. I said, you know what, Bob? I said, I'll never, ever play for that geezer again. I said, what he's done to me the last three months. I said, I want to out here as quick as I can. I said, you go back and relay that story to him. I said, that's what I want to do. Sadly, he did write the story to him, which, which I wanted him to do anyway. And then there, uh, that was me ending my whole career. You know, really? But again, 21 years of age, you know, I don't know. You know, you just had, had a bit too much too young and you just shoot from the hip, don't you? You know? And that was it. I think one thing we have missed off was that you actually won a bit of silverware that year. Correct. Yeah, again. In, yeah, in the now almost forgotten yeah. Football yeah. League trophy. Again, that was that was yeah that was the eighty two eighty three season I think so I would have been twenty years of age actually that's what I mean I was twenty years of age and like maybe eleven months but that team was we used to call ourselves the bombed out team so like at that time Mill if you look back had a very big squad so you had a team who yeah, played in the in the division three games to get them out of relegation and you had the boys who played in the football league trophy so you had lads like David Stride David Martin yeah. Dean Neil. Think, I'm not sure whether Dean was here. I think, think Paul, like Paul yeah. Roberts, it was Willie Carr. Maybe it was. A, I, I mean, if you told me the team, tell me the team, Neil. If you got the team there, be appreciate we had the team. Yeah, but the final team was yeah. uh, was Paul Sampson. Yeah, Sammy, but he, yeah, yeah, he was all yeah, but he was never going to upset the apple car, so he was like nice lad. Yeah, Rhino at right back, Dave Stride yeah, at left back. Yeah. Yes, Stridley. Yeah, God bless his soul. Yeah. Uh, I think there was uh, Sam Ian Sam, yeah. Sam centre-halves. Yeah, go on. That was it, yeah. Laurie Madden. Yeah, Skidders. We used to call him Skidders. Yeah, Laurie, yeah, yeah. You, you, you've forgotten that he played for us, actually. And Andy, Andy Massey. Andy Massey, yeah. He was on the threshold of the team, but he wasn't a regular, yeah. Dean Neal, who I think had also upset George at yeah, some yeah. stage. Yeah, no, Dean, Dean, yeah, yeah. He was in my group, Dean, yeah. He was in my team, yeah, yeah. Go on, David Martin. Yeah, go on, yeah. Yeah, David. Alan Yeah, young lad. So him and Keith, you were the young lads, yeah. And who else was there? Paul Robinson was the other Paul player. Robinson, young lad, yeah. So there was a few young ones. And do you know that night, we won that game. Did we win it 3-2, Neil, that night? Yeah, you did. Dean Neal scored. Cleary got them. Did he? Well, let me tell you something about that night. It was probably one of the coldest nights we ever played football at Sinsel Bank. We won... F- it was absolutely bitter. The rain was coming from left, from right, sideways. And you know what? We ran into the dressing room afterwards and they said, you've got to go back out and get the cup. You've got to go and get the cup. This is true as a story. And when you've got to go and get the cup, there's a presentation. We went, we ain't going nowhere. I went striding. Stridley, we used to call him, I went striding. Get out of there and get the cup. I went, none of us are going nowhere. God, Neil, it was bitter. It was bitter at the end of the day. Honestly, but, uh, uh, we got the cup eventually, yeah. But that didn't even register on Georgie's radar. That it was all about keeping them up. There was no, there was no success about that. And actually, do you know what, Neil? I've got the medal upstairs, uh, so I don't think there's many of them about actually. And uh, so, if anyone ever wants to give me a few quid for it at this moment in time, with a bit skin, I say, well, maybe an opera and make an annual. <laughs> No. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, well, don't joke about that. There's probably one or two Millwall collectors that would have it off you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, tell them to give me a ring at the end of the day. Trust me, it's sitting upstairs. It's in mean condition at the end of the day. 
<laughs> yeah, but we'll put an advert out. Yeah, but if anybody wants to buy a... Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, do you know what? That is the very first... Do you know what, Neil? Joking apart, that is the very first trophy as well, 82, 83. So yeah, eight, was, yeah. I'm telling you it's worth, it ain't worth it money, but it, I would say it has got a little bit of a collectible thing, I would have thought. Do you know what I mean? It's, but, uh, hey, I'm not... Geez, I'm not joking, I'm wrestling at the moment. Trust me, anything around. <laughs> so was there a tinge of regret that your time at Millwall was coming to an end by now or were you just I've got to get out of here no there was a there was a I've got to get out of there I had to get out of there I did have to get out of there but uh, there was again as I said to you with the thinking time a load of regret but that's not to say I would have got into the first team and been would have had the success again because you did have a lot of players. George had a lot of players coming through and you had your Keaton Stevens and your Alan McCleary's. And, you know, so, you know, there was probably time to move on. But the way it all ended, Neil, was definitely a tinge of regret. I'm not going to say I would have played another 100 games for Millwall, but there was definitely a tinge of regret. But if you actually look at the record, I think my last game for Millwall, I think I was 20 years of age and 10 months or 10 and a half months. And captain of the team at 18 years and 10 months or 18 years and nine months. So I don't think, if you looked at how many appearances I made for Millwall Football Club, I think it's something like 146 league appearances. If you can put on one hand in the last 30, 40 years that there's been 20, 20 years of age and 11 months, made 146 league appearances before that age. You know, I must have done, I must have been doing something right at the end of the day, you know. But uh, and to be captain as like and as I think still today to be the youngest captain ever of Millwall, and I think that's actually one of the I think I mean maybe five or six in the country to only be one of the youngest captains. So you know, I really like embrace them moments. I embrace them moments and embrace you've covered, but I do regret how it ended. Yeah, that, that's the stubborn in me missing me. And there was only going to be one winner, and it was George Graham, to get sad. Yeah, but nobody ever won against George Graham, really, did they? I was watching a documentary on Sky the other day of when he took over at Arsenal. Yeah. And I, yeah, ironically, three or four years later. Well, I never definitely did against him, because, Neil, to carry on the story, so I got a move to Brentford on loan. So I went to Brentford on loan. So this is a nice little story. So I went to Brentford on loan. So he said, uh, he said, you can have a free transfer, go to Brentford on loan. But bearing in mind, I've got two years to go on my contract, like 21 months, yeah. So I went to Brentford on loan. I'd done really well on the month's loan. Brentford wanted to sign me. So I said, yeah, I want to sign. And now George, I said, I went back to George, I said, I want to go to Brentford. He said, you've done really well. I understand, like, you've been playing really well. You've been playing at left back and that. They really want to sign you. He said, I've asked for 10 grand. I said, George, you said that I could go to nothing. He said, have you got that in writing? I said, no, I ain't got it in writing, George. I said, you said it to me that I could go. He said, no, I want 10 grand for you. So now Brentford, like, put the brakes on, don't want to sign me, really, because they said, Rob, I would rather give you the 10 grand and give it to Millwall Football Club at the end of the day. Anyway, I didn't go. Eventually, I didn't go that time, and I think it was about a month later. So then again, again, I went back to Millwall, was training with the reserves and youth team. He didn't treat me very well, George. 
And I have seen him since a load of times, and I've seen Theo since a lot of times. God bless his soul, golf days. Theo's half turned a blind eye, and he's never saw it. But, wow, the one thing I've got against George, and I have said it to him, and I've had a beer with him. I said, wow, you, I don't think I would have ever treated a 21-year-old kid how you treated me, George, at the end of the day. But how can I not George Graham? He won the double. He's like won the premiership. He's done this. He's, so I'm never going to knock him. And he was a fantastic coach. But his man management skills was not the greatest, Neil. Was not the greatest. But that's not to say Paul Robert's attitude wasn't the greatest either. My attitude wasn't the greatest. So it was not all George's fault. It was a lot down to me. But I wouldn't treat a 20-year-old kid how it treated me. And really, I was a kid. But hey, you go on, you move on, and that's that, don't you? You move on, you go on. And similar, I wanted to ask you, was there a big drinking culture at Millwall around Yevil at that time? Because you actually had a fair few players that liked a beer, didn't you? Well, listen, I think I don't. I think it'd be asked as you say it was Millwall nil. It was like uh, a lot of the clubs, and again, we was young. Listen, we all used to end up in the Jubilee Bar after the game. I don't know if you can ever remember the Jubilee Bar and that. Probably yeah. had one too many. Probably had one too many on the coach. If we got a good got a good win on the coach as well on the away teams, but. We didn't used to win many on the road, so I can't imagine us drinking on the coach, to be honest with you. But I'd say it was, yeah, we liked to drink, but no more than anyone else. And you didn't drink at the wrong times. But uh, there was a drinking culture. I mean, I've left one or two stories out here, really, because <laughs> I'd rather keep them up my sleeve about the drinking. They don't want to, like, because you read football books and all you hear about is drinking, drinking, drinking. It's like, well, all they done was went on the booze. Do you know what you didn't? So I'd rather leave them out, to, you know, because it, it, then all of a sudden the interview sounds like, well, they didn't, they worried, didn't worry about football. They worried about going on the drink. I'd rather try to. We drank no more than anyone else, but that was in the game at the time. That's how it was. Then I think eventually you ended up at South End, which must have been like mini Millwall, because you had Dave Martin going there. I think you've missed a big thing, a big thing here with Millwall fans and a big thing with myself, to be honest with you. Because the, big, the one big thing here I should really add to the story is in, so I go to Brentford in 1983, in September 83, or October 83, I signed for Brentford. Terry Herlock's there, obviously, isn't Terry it? Terry was there, yeah, Terry's there, Gary Roberts, Keith Gassells and a few other boys, Chris Kamara. Brentford got a good squad, but again, not really living up to their ability. Anyway, so we come back, Stan Bowles is at Brentford as well. And we come back on the January and we've got Mill we've got Millwall, Millwall at the den. So obviously I'm now returning to the den with George Graham being manager and, and Theo, the assistant, and all the players I used to like have really took my place at the end of the day, your Stevie Lovells, your Anna Lakowski's, your yeah, David Kuzak's and blah blah blah, if you can see the team in the January game. And we come out against Obviously, I'm playing left back again for Brentford and I'm getting absolutely mullered by the Millwall fans. I mean, absolutely mullered by the Millwall fans. Along, the, along by the dugouts where all the boys used to sit in the uh, the seats down there. Behind both goals, they're singing Roberts is a W, Roberts is a W, Roberts you see, Roberts you that. Every time I go and get, pick the ball up, the take of throwing, they're gobbing in my face and calling me you West Ham this and you West Ham that. So I'm playing along with it. I'm actually giving them a little bit of banter back and to and fro in and 
doing a few signs to them. And we go 1-0 up. They're still came me. We come out half-time. And then uh, you get a penalty. The mill will get a penalty. So I go up to Paddy Roach and says, Paddy, listen, I ain't got a clue where he's going to put this penalty. I said, but I said, I'm just talking to you. I said, mate, like wasting a little bit of time. I said, so like, listen, let's see what the crowd do. The crowd are absolutely singing around the ground. Roberts is a W and Roberts is this and you West Ham this and what have you. Lovers does no more, puts the ball away 1-1. Then about 10 minutes later, I break down the left, get pulled over, get fouled and make out. There's a bit of water on the pitch, so I make out like all the big like Millwall fans think I dive. So I start making out to swim as if I've dived I'm like, and all things like that, getting them at it. The Millwall fans are still caning me, but as they're caning me, I get up, take a quick free kick, take a quick free kick, put Gary Roberts in, he crosses the ball, Francis Joseph scores it, we go 2-1 in front. So as I go two front, one in front, I run down the touchline like that to all the Millwall boys who are sitting by the dugout. I want this to be out there for all them Millwall boys because they came as me as a West Ham boy. I give it all that. And then with that, as we're getting lined up to take the kickoff, a fella jumps over the, 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 uh, the big barriers from behind the goal by the tunnel end. Erlock turns around to me and goes, uh, as we go back to kick off, Erlock says, Robbo, watch out. So as I turn round, the geezer throws a punch, but I wave it, and then all the crowd are all on the pitch like like a riot. So the game the game gets thingy like bomb. The whole game gets settled down. Murders, there's murders. They're still caning me, absolutely giving me pelters. And Stan Bowles is sub. So now I'm still getting Neil. Truthfully, I'm every fan is spitting at you when you went and picked the ball up. You know. I'm not knocking them in all boys because, listen, I had it at Barnsley's. I had it at you Cockney season. Yeah, you've got a traditional Millwall welcome, really, didn't you? Yeah, I was getting it. I was going to the linesman. Are you watching this, linesman? Are you watching this? And he's going, get on with the game. Get on, I'm getting on with the game. Now we're winning 2-1. Anyway, so that the crowd have all come on the pitch, like a bit of a right. It's all got calmed down. The old Bill with all rushed off. Yeah, I don't know if he was at the game himself. I don't even know if he was at the game. So anyway, Bowles, he's sub. Stan Bowles, his sub, God bless his soul. Well, I should know because he's got Alzheimer's, so he can't remember to tell you this story. This is true. So Fred Callahan's the manager at the time. He goes, Bowlesy, warm up. He goes, Robbo, Robbo, are you all right? You all right? I went, yeah, I'm all right. He goes, Bowlesy, go and have a warm up. Go and have a warm up. So Bowlesy goes for a warm up, runs down the pit, runs down the, to the corner flag, as you do, Neil. And as he goes to the corner flag, a Millwall fan cup leans over the wall, goes, Bowlesy. Pulls out a big sheath, like a big knife, right? Goes like, he says, goes, Bowsy. He goes, if you go on, you're getting this, right? The Millwall man. He runs back to Fred Callaghan. He goes to Fred, leave Robbo on there. He says, I'm going nowhere. He said, he can stay on there. <laughs> you were never the bravest, was he, Stanley? <laughs> and to cut a long story short, we win the game 2-1. Bowsy goes, Robbo, I don't know how you're going to get out of this ground. He says, they're absolutely killing you. They're going to kill you. And, uh, after the game, the police all came in and said, Mr. Roberts, you can't leave the dressing room. Obviously, now I'm in the away room. And uh, they'd had a word with Alan Thorne, and I got nicked for inciting a cried route uh, uh, after that. I got nicked because I think Millwall, if they'd got in any more trouble, it was within the three years of having the ground shut, Neil, and yeah. uh, it was still like in probation. So what they'd done, Alan Thorne, he had a word with the chief of police at the ground at the time who used to sit above 
I don't know if you can remember in the ground, the old den yeah. and that, that thing, yeah, like, like the chief control. And they said, listen, Mr. Roberts, anything you say will be down in evidence, blah, blah, blah. We're nicking you for inciting a crowd riot. I went, wow. And they said, did you drive to the game? Obviously, you're not on the team bus. I said, yeah, I drove. They went, you can't take your car home. You've got to bet someone to take your car home. And Teddy had just passed his test. I think Teddy played in the game that day as well. And obviously, Teddy was an East End boy. He lived over at Walthamstow. I was living at Wanstead at the time. And uh, Teddy took my car home that day. Obviously, he took my car, took it back to my flat. And, uh, well, and I got actually got nicked for uh, inciting the crowd, right? And to that day, everyone, sort of all the Millwall fans have hated me, maybe, I think, because I was a West Ham fan. But even though I was a West Ham fan, they have to realise that really Millwall was my club as well, Neil. Do you know what I mean? It's the club I always looked out for at the end of the day. You might have been born as a West Ham, but listen, I used to love the Millwall fans. And that's sort of like, that's another regret, really, that it all got a bit exploded, really. Yeah, well, that's one thing I think about Millwall is that you can support another club, but once you've played for this unfashionable little club in Bermondsey, yeah. it gets in your blood and it just runs through you, doesn't it? And oh, yeah, absolutely. You can't help but love it. Yeah, yeah, that, as I said, but that's a regret that I think because, uh, you know, there was a little bit of... Uh, the way, the way I'd left them being a West Ham boy, that they thought I was sort of like slagging Millwall off and I wasn't, I would never do that. But as I said, I, I used to love the Millwall, uh, uh, you know, I love the Millwall fans and I still see a few of them like driving the cab now. Some of them are recognising. I'm not sure they recognise when we bar it like this, but... Uh, not yeah, well, probably will do now, now you've been on here. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, because I think when John Lyons, uh, coming back, I mean, I'm going to retract a little bit. When Johnny Lyons, that season in 1980, won Player of the Year, and there was the Player of the Year dude down up near Rotherive Tunnel, and Johnny Lyons went to get his, got, got the Player of the Year, and West Ham was in the FA Cup final, got the FA Cup final, and I went up there, and Johnny Lyons went to do a speech, but he was paralytic, he went to do his speech, because obviously, and I went, give us the mic, and I sang I'm Forever Blow <laughs> on the mic, which I don't think that went. Went down too well. Went down too well at the player, the nineteen eighty player of the year. That's a true story as well. That one, yeah. Yeah, so, all in jest, though. Neil, it was all in jest. You know what I mean? Yeah. The only worst thing you could have done was to wore a bloody claret and blue scarf that day, really, wasn't it? Yeah, that's good days. It was all in jest. It was a little bit of banter, but yeah, something. You know, like you used to do a player profile. I mean, in the programs, and that it'd be like. Boom, West Ham, Dana Burke, blah, blah. But, you know, favourite team, West Ham. It was like, you know, like, who do you support as a kid? But, Neil, you're not going to tell a lie, but it was like, wow, oh, it was no. like, how the fans would be. Because, obviously, me and Dave Martin was big West Ham fans. Do you know what I mean? You know, gone to the cup finals and that. So, you don't just not write it down, do you? You know, but Millwall fans would think, wow, how's this boy playing for us and he's a Millwall uh, a West Ham fan? It's crazy, crazy. crazy. Yeah, well, surprised you didn't get lynched before. Yeah, yeah, no, but uh, well, no, I've had me, I've had me brushes with the Millwall fans, with uh, playing for them and playing against them. But listen, they're all, they're all. Uh, it was a lovely, it was a lovely club to play for. And as I said, I'm sure there's not many boys who've played 146 league games before they're 21 years of age. Actually, I mean, you know, mate, we've been going here for two hours and ten minutes, right. and. I think we could probably do another two hours and ten minutes, but we don't want to send anyone to sleep. So that's probably no, okay. 
There's a lot more stories there, but I ain't got. If I looked at the programs and jogged my memory, I've got a good memory anyway for things. But uh, listen, it's been lovely talking to you. I mean, listen, probably spoke too much really at the end of the day. Should have let you ask some more questions. Mate, yeah, no, with the yeah, no, with the least questions I have to ask, at least I look silly. So, (laughs) so what we'll do is, is we'll yeah, we'll talk some more a little bit. Yeah, well, another time we'll see if we can get you back on and do another show with all of these because you've been fantastic entertainment for the last two hours, mate, and. I'm not too sure it's entertainment, but we, we, it's somewhere in between that, Neil, somewhere in between that at the end of the day. You're like Paul. Yeah, well, I'll end this broadcast now. And uh, thank you very much indeed for your time. Good luck and uh, keep safe and hope, have a, all the best for the rest of the year. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Picture this, you're fully immersed in your podcast because in the back of your mind, you're not trying to recall when that deadline was supposed to be or stressing to keep everyone updated on next steps. MeetMonday.com, a work management platform that makes having peace of mind easy. With Monday.com, all your work lives in one centralized place. You can automate updates to keep team members up to speed and ensure nothing falls through the cracks, even while you're enjoying your favorite podcast. To start your 14-day free trial, go to Monday.com. Here's the lowdown on lowering bad cholesterol from Lecvio. Lowering bad cholesterol is hard, but you could do hard. You live through five fad diets, 11 sleep training nights, nine mediocre middle school recitals, one heart attack. And with Lecvio, you can lower your bad cholesterol and keep it low with two doses a year after two starter doses. Prescription Lecvio in glycerin is given by a doctor for people with known heart disease on a statin with diet who need more help lowering bad cholesterol. Common side effects were injection site reaction, joint pain, urinary tract infection, diarrhea, chest cold, pain in legs or arms, and shortness of breath. Results may vary. Learn more at Lecvio.com or call 1-833-537-8462. Ask your doctor about Lecvio. That's L-E-Q-V-I-O. Lower, longer, Lecvio. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.